When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. She's Vanessa Richardson. I'm Michelle Smallman. It's Canty and Carlin. And Vanessa, that's one of the things that's so great about this job is you kind of never know what to expect. It's the old Forrest Gump. The show is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're mm. going to get. I didn't anticipate that on Monday, August 7th, that we would be talking about the Pac-12 eroding, uh, that we'd be talking about brawls and baseball. You really never know what to expect with sports, which is why it's so fun. I couldn't have known that we were going to talk about the Cowboys. Oh, wait, no, I could have known we were going to talk about the Cowboys. <laughs> but no, with all seriousness, uh, you, we didn't know I'd have to do half a segment on the phone. You never know. But uh, the dog days of summer, I always say, especially with radio, you'll take what you can get. Got a little UFC action from Jose Ramirez. You have some Pac-12 drama. I'm here for it. Yeah, you really never know what's going to happen in the summer. Mm-hmm. This is our, our quote-unquote slow time. Yet on Friday, we had breaking – I think we had four things of breaking news at once. We had NFL breaking news, Pac-12, sports, it never rests. But one thing you can always guarantee, Vanessa, is that even in the summertime, even in the dog days of July and early August, is that we are going to be talking about the NFL. We are, we're a football-obsessed society. We just are. And especially when it comes to quarterbacks and quarterbacks who are great on teams that are contenders. So let's talk about Joe Burrow. We got word a couple weeks ago. When was this? July 28th. So a couple weeks ago, a couple days ago, that uh, Joe Burrow suffered a right calf strain strain during camp. He was rolling out. He had a sleeve on that calf. We saw him pull up. He was limping on his other leg. He went down. His head coach said that, that he's likely to miss several weeks because of that calf strain. We don't know how long several weeks could be. We don't know if this is an injury that's going to persist. But his wide receiver, Jamar Chase, wants to make sure that when we do see Joe Burrow return, that it's for good. Here's what he had to say. I want him to be 100% healthy to play. I don't want him rushing nothing. I don't want people in his ear telling him to play at a certain time. I just want him to be healthy. And that's not me telling him to play this certain game. It's just, that's me saying be healthy when you're back, 100% healthy. So, Vanessa, we assume several weeks might bleed into the regular season. And Jamar Chase is saying it doesn't really matter if you have to miss a couple weeks of the regular season. We want to make sure that when you're back, you're back for good. What do you think about what Jamar Chase had to say about Joe Burrow's return? I think it means they're eyeing the Super Bowl. I mean, this is clearly a guy that believes that this team is effective enough to where they will have no problem week one in Cleveland, where, by the way, They haven't won since Joe Burrow arrived in 2020. Week two, when they host the Ravens and then the Rams and the Titans without Joe Burrow. I'm not saying that's a hard schedule. Let me make that very clear. Um, But those are two division rivals to start the season. And I, I do like, I like the mindset of being fully healthy, especially because Joe Burrow has been hurt before. I like it. I don't know if I'm Jamar Chase that I want it. Um, Interesting comments. Uh, This went viral for a reason. A lot of mixed feelings. If I were him, I wouldn't want it. But I do think it says that he believes in this team, that they can carry it without Joe the first couple weeks. 
they know that Joe is the catalyst for success. They have a lot of talent on that team. And this is no disrespect to Trevor Simeon. But if Trevor Simeon is under center for the Bengals, are you considering them a Super Bowl contender? It, they ha- It's a completely different dynamic when Joe Burrow is there. He is the engine that makes it all run. So I understand Jamar Chase saying... We'll hold it down for you versus the Browns. I mean, the Ravens will be a tough, a tough matchup, but the Browns, sure. any of these could be technically, you know, you really don't know how things are going to shake out if Joe Burrow's not there. But as you mentioned, before the bye, they have the Browns, the Ravens, the Rams, the Titans, the Cardinals, and the Seahawks. On paper, that looks like a stretch that they could potentially get through without Joe Burrow because they are eyeing the playoffs. They are eyeing the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I'm totally with you. I would love to see Joe Burrow out there week one. I don't want him to do that if it's going to mean him having to start and stop and start and stop throughout the season. I want him. I'm with Jamar Chase. I want Joe Burrow to be more than 100 percent when he gets back on the field. The other thing is these two have known each other for so long. You know, you're talking about obviously college teammates at LSU as well. So I feel like Jamar Chase knows Joe Burrow more than even his other Bengals teammates. Mm -hmm. And he probably knows the way Burrow operates. He probably knows maybe he has some insight, you know, that he's not sharing where Joe's Burrow is one of those guys that – really does, you know, need to be healthy in order to mentally operate as a quarterback effectively. Everybody is so different. Some guys kind of like to be banged up and be gritty and all of that. So I do think it's worth listening to. I wouldn't be comfortable with the Bengals without Joe Burrow. That is a winnable, as you said, before the bye. It is a friendly schedule compared to other NFL franchises for sure. One thing about Joe Burrow, too, is that he has missed time in the preseason. He was coming Mm -hmm. back from the ACL two years ago. Uh, He had the appendectomy last year, and that certainly did not impact him. Missing those reps, missing that time did not translate to the regular season. So I think that's probably another thing his teammates are considering. We've seen him have to step away during this portion of the season, and when he did come back and was ready to go, he was firing on all cylinders. So I'm I'm sure that that's somehow in their mind, too, that they want to make sure that uh, when he that they are able to make sure when he comes back, he's coming back into the best possible position. Protect Joe Burrow. Make sure that the offensive line is right. If he has to miss the first couple of weeks, Trevor Simeon, go get it. Um, I don't think that it might be as easy as some people think. That that Browns, I worked in Cincinnati for two years. That Browns Bengals rivalry is mm-hmm. is no joke. I mean, the the Browns really really want to beat the Bengals, uh, and they've been successful hosting the Bengals the last couple of years. Um, but it is a friendlier schedule. The, this is a team obviously that has been to back to back AFC championships. So there's a reason that Jamar Chase, you know, should be very confident. Um, But you want your starting quarterback out there. You want him healthy. I see both sides of it. I do see why it was eyebrow-raising for some people, especially when you just read the text or read the headline of, Jamar Chase is fine with Joe Burrow not being able to get. He wants his guy to be healthy. He wants Joe Burrow to be healthier the second half of the season. Michelle, anybody that covers sports knows that a lot of times – the success rides on who's healthy when. <laughs> it's just the long and the short of it. So if you have to pick, do you want Joe Burrow healthy first half or second half of the season? You're obviously clearly picking the second half. But will Cincinnati be okay if Joe Burrow does, in fact, have to miss time during the regular season? Here's his wide receiver, Jamar Chase, again. 
I mean, we'd be okay as long as he's there for the end of the season. You know what I'm saying? We worried about the, the bigger picture, not the small picture here. That's what we're trying to win. So, you know what I'm saying? As long as he comes in around the season that we need him, then we're going to be okay. That's exactly what you just said, Vanessa. Big picture. Small there, picture, baby. They're thinking anything before the bye, you know, we can handle it. But anything after that, when it's in the gauntlet of the season, when we're talking playoffs, we're talking Super Bowl, you need Joey B. You need Joe Cool under center for them to be in the conversation. I just love that we're at this point with the Bengals where we're calling the first part of the season small picture because I, I when I covered sports there, never thought we would be at that point. But it speaks to what Zach Taylor has been able to do, the Brown family spending money that we never thought they would spend, and the power of a really good quarterback, especially in a medium-sized market like Cincinnati. Joe Burrow has changed that city to the point to where they are focusing every year on the playoffs. I love that. Those rivalries with their in, within their division are no joke. Um, but Joey B, I hope he can get healthy, man. The league is better when all quarterbacks are healthy, obviously. But when those young, that Mahomes, Burrow, those rivalries that are emerging, you know, since we don't have the Peyton and the Tom Brady anymore, and since we don't, I love that. Uh, and and I hope he can get healthy and that right calf strain can heal quickly. She's Vanessa Richardson. I'm Michelle Smallman. Canteen Carlin on ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. You can get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. They said what? what? I have to believe one and one is three. I, I can't, I can't uh, operate where one and one is two. They said what? what? It is time for They Said What. We are going to take a look around the NFL. We're going to listen in around the NFL to some of the sound bites coming out of camp. Our producer, Mark, has curated the best sound from the past few days, and he's going to present it to Vanessa and myself. Mark, what do you have for us? All right, so earlier today, D'Amico Ryan's Texans head coach, talked about C.J. Stroud and his progression. This is what he had to say about the number 2 overall pick. Stroud's doing a great job, and he's improving, just like we asked all of our guys. When it comes to just development and what do you expect from training camp, what do I expect from camp? I expect everybody to be better than they were the day before. CJ, what I've seen is he's definitely made you know adjustments. He's getting the ball out quick. He's making the proper reads, and that's the first thing. We want him to just make the proper reads, and if one is open, deliver the ball. And he's doing that today, and that's how we want to operate efficiently. And it all starts with our coaching staff and the plan that they have, the plays that they that they design for him to run. It's making sure they're efficient plays, making sure everybody knows what to do, and he's been doing a good job. All right, what do you have to, what do you have to say about that, Michelle? He is going to start the preseason opener this Thursday against the Patriots. That, to me, is like if you opened up the coach's speak textbook for what your rookie quarterback <laughs> is doing at this point in the preseason – that's exactly what you would have. It is textbook. He's developing. We're seeing the growth. He's getting those reps. We're focused on execution. We're focused on efficiency. What else is he supposed to say? He wants to give an update while also not setting expectations too high and not being too forthcoming and honest about anything because none of these teams have a book on him at this point in the NFL. So, yeah, of course you're going to keep it positive. You're going to keep it easy. You're going to keep it light. I love this. I think 
people in Houston are just excited, and I love Davis Mills, nice guy, Stanford kid. But I think people are excited to have some hope at the quarterback position. D'Amico Ryan, some hope as the head coach, and hope floats or whatever that movie is. So D'Amico Ryan's, I think, is uh, just trying to spread some positivity. He's still a rookie quarterback, but I'm glad that he was able to tell Jane Slater and whoever else that it will be CJ. People are excited. Let's see what the guy can do. All right, Micah Parsons, Cowboys linebacker, said he wants to be one of the greatest of all time. I don't think I just want to make the Hall of Fame. I just want to be known as one of the greatest Hall of Famers. You know, there's categories to everything. You know, there's good, there's great, and there's, like, perfect. When you talk about me, I don't want to just be mentioned in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's a great accolade, but I want to be one of the greatest in the Hall of Fame. All right, Vanessa, what do you have to say about that? The irrational confidence. I shouldn't say irrational. I think in order to be great, you have to have irrational confidence. You have to sometimes come across as cocky. I love it for him. Um, I don't know that I would have gone that far if it were personally me, but I like that he's confident. I like that he sees himself wearing one of those gold jackets and having a bust in Canton. Good for you. He is on that track. He's certainly a guy that could be one of the all-time greats at times. Guys, he's just absolutely unblockable. He's only 24 years old. In his first two seasons, he's, he won the Defensive Rookie of the Year Award, two Pro Bowls, two first-team All-Pro honors. He takes his craft seriously and knows the talent that he has. And I love people that have that confidence in themselves mm-hmm. and aren't afraid to speak on it. I love that he knows what he's capable of, and he is setting the bar high for himself. All right, Sean Payton, Broncos head coach, spoke to the media earlier today and said this veteran will be playing in the preseason. I haven't shelled it out yet, but they're going to play. We'll, we'll figure out how many snaps. Um, you know, we typically break a game into three phases, first, second, third phase, and then special teams, we might just do two phases, but we'll have a plan. And that would include Russell, right? Yeah, that would include he's a player. <laughs> <laughs> so he's a player, Michelle. He'll be playing in the preseason. What are your thoughts? Well, we assumed he was going to play in the preseason. He probably isn't going to get a ton of reps. Most veteran quarterbacks don't. But I would imagine now that they're trying to turn the tide and reset on Russell Wilson's career in Denver, that they're going to want to make sure that he's out there, that he's comfortable, that he's redeveloping chemistry with his teammates. I mean, Sean Sean Payton made it very clear that it was a mess that he inherited. The Nathaniel Hackett era in Denver was a mess. And he also made it very clear that he still thinks that Russell Wilson has it. So I... I am not surprised that we'll see uh, the veteran getting some reps in the preseason, but I don't expect it to be an overwhelming amount. I love what you said about Sean Payton making things clear because uh, that first interview that he did before he had to walk it back a little bit uh, that Aaron Rodgers was so insulted by, I think he's very intentional about the way he does things, and I think he's intentional about making it known things are different under Sean Payton in Denver than they were under Nathaniel Hackett. And one of those messages might be, hey, Russell, you're going to play as long as I want you to play. Like you said, I don't think it's going to be a long time. I don't know if it'll even be a full half. Um, But we'll see. We'll see if it is different under Sean Payton. Time will tell, and uh, I think it'll be interesting. Dan Campbell, Lions head coach, said this season is giving him, quote, wind beneath his wings. Here's, (laughs) Here's it coming straight from his mouth. Do you feel the weight of responsibility now that now that you got them all cranked up, they're all coming? No, I don't feel weight. I feel wind underneath my freaking wings, man. <laughs> That's what I feel. 
Truthfully? Truthfully. It uplifts you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love this, man. This is outstanding. I love our fans. I love that, man, they feel it like we feel it. And uh, no, this is not a burden. This is not pressure. This is not weight. This is, man, this gives me inspiration is what it does for me. All right, Vanessa, what do you have to say to the, the expectations there? You can't fake it. I mean, you can't fake being the football guy that Dan Campbell is. When you look up football guy in the dictionary, there is a picture of Dan Campbell. And whether it was the we're going to eat your knees in his first press conference or whatever, a lot of coaches would say, yeah, it's pressure. Yeah, I've been staying up and drinking my diet Mountain Dew, and I've been feeling it. He says, Wind Beneath My Wings, which, by the way, is a great song by Bette Midler in the movie Beaches. Shout out to Bette Midler. Shout out to a classic. Shout out to Dan Campbell. Great movie, great song, emotional movie, mm-hmm. emotional song. Did you ever song. know that you're my hero? And it fits because Dan Campbell loves football. <laughs> I don't know about you two. I am so on the Lions train, and it's because of Dan Campbell. When we first heard him and some of the quotes coming out, I was like, is this guy for real? And the more we've gotten to know him, it's so genuine. He he loves football and whatever it is he's i'm drinking whatever he's given out which is probably that crazy coffee order he has that's like what six shots of espresso or something it's absolutely bonkers but i i believe him when he says that this is the wind beneath his wings and that he loves it this much he is biting off kneecaps and the detroit lions are going to be a really fun team to pay attention to this year all right finally guys cj ozuma jets tight end said it you know Playing with Aaron Rodgers is all fun and games, but you know it's still kind of hard to do. So here's him adjusting on playing with Aaron Rodgers. It is diff- different. It's a little bit challenging at times to to know what he's thinking. Um, and even in the huddle today, in the huddle today, he, you know, we have these different hand hand adjustment signals and stuff, and he he's still out there. Hey, actually, I'm going to change it. So if it's this this time, it's going to mean this. And I'm out there like, wait, wh- what did he just say? I appreciate that candor, Vanessa, because we spoke with Diana Rossini last week on this show, and she was out there covering the Jets, and she was saying that everything with the Jets, everything at Florham Park is running through number eight. It's all running through Aaron Rodgers, which plays they run, what they eat for lunch. She's like, he is in charge there, and he knows that, and he is wanting it to be his way. He's wanting to perfect the way he executes things. And everybody else is just kind of having to adjust in real time and get on the same page with him. So I like hearing that for his, from his teammates because it's been such a honeymoon over there that it's nice to hear a player be like, yeah, you know, we're, we're keeping up. He's adjusting it and we're learning on the fly because that's reality. When you're going from Zach Wilson, no offense, to Aaron Rodgers, to one of the greatest players of the modern era to where to be a quarterback there is going to be adjustments um I'm with you CJ was always honest when he was with the Bengals as well and I think that um it is going to be an adjustment and from the things we've heard about Aaron Rodgers he is not maybe the easiest person to work with doesn't mean he's a bad leader he's a great leader but he's not easy to work with and uh that, there's a lot going on up there in that mind with all the ayahuasca and all of the complications. So I think CJ's just being honest, and I'm pumped to see what he can do with uh, with Aaron Rodgers. That was They Said What. Thank you, Mark. Great sound. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. She's Vanessa Richardson. I'm Michelle Smallman. And coming up next, the Angels might have made a mistake, and it could last them an eternity. We're going to tell you what they did. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive 
eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Beside Vanessa Richardson, I'm Michelle Smallman. You're listening to Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. And you can always give us a call, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. Vanessa, this is our first time working with one another. And I'm so curious before we get into the conversation about how dismal the Ash- the Angels mm-hmm. have been, excuse me, since mm-hmm. the trade deadline. Where did you fall in the Shohei Otani debate? Did you think the Angels should have retained him like they did prior to the trade deadline? Or did you think that they were better served in moving him? I, sh- I thought they should move him simply because it, it doesn't seem like the Angels know how to handle stars. I mean, Mike Trout, you know, they have Anthony Rendon, and Anthony Rendon gets hurt all the time. But to me, it just made sense to move him. You had the Rangers that were looking for somebody. You had, you know, the Dodgers. We know Otani probably wants to stay on the West Coast. You have the Giants who, you know, have have tried to get Aaron Judge and Carlos Correa in the past. So there were buyers and oh, by the way, he's generational two-way player. I thought that it made sense for them to to make a move, um, but they didn't. And they, in some people's eyes, did right by their fans and said, we'll see how it works out. Hasn't worked out since that trade deadline, though. Certainly has not. I am in lockstep with you, Vanessa. I am well on the record saying that the Angels should have moved on from him. And I know that if you're, if you're Artie Moreno, if you're the the front office of the Angels, you don't want that to be attached to your name in history. You don't want to be known as the people that collectively decided we should trade away the best player of this generation. We should trade away the modern-day Babe Ruth. That's an asterisk <laughs> that's going to be next to your name. However, 
You have to have some self-awareness. And what you have been doing as an organization has not worked. Acquiring the stars has not worked for you. Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, you mentioned Rendon, Albert Pujols. They have been able to collect the stars. They have not been able to build around them. And this was such a risk for several reasons. You not only risk that you're going to make it to the playoffs, but even if you did make it to the playoffs, you still have to hope that you can woo him to stay. And I know their reasoning is if we don't retain him and we don't go for it this year, then we have no shot of keeping him. And the only thing that's really going to tip it in our favor is to prove to him that we can be a winner with him because he's going to get paid wherever he goes. He's going to be a star wherever he goes. And he's very comfortable with the Angels. He's comfortable with that organization and that ballpark. And they know that. However, I just thought that the risk was too big and I did not think that they were going to be good enough to get it done. And guess what's happened, Vanessa? They're 0-6 since the trade deadline. They're seven games out of the wild card. They're one game under 500 right now. They have been one of the worst teams in baseball since they decided to acquire or, excuse me, retain Shohei Otani and acquire Lucas Giolito. So it seems like they did not make the right choice. I mean, when I saw that Giolito move, too, I was like, wow, they're going for it. Um, Yeah, I think the final straw was this weekend when the Mariners swept them at Angel Stadium. What? I mean, think about the fact, Michelle, that Mike Trout and Shohei Otani have never been to the playoffs together. Think about that sentence. That's crazy. There were so many buyers. And I remember Astros GM, because I fill in on Astros broadcasts, Dana Brown talking about how how many buyers there were. And that is what held up the Astros getting Verlander. There were a myriad of different things that happened, but there were so many buyers. And I think a lot of people and a lot of teams would have been interested in acquiring Shohei Otani because he is generational. Isn't it also, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Moreno, yes, it would have been an asterisk. But when you look back at it, isn't it going to be more of an asterisk that he will never have gotten Otani to the playoffs. I mean, that's a that's a heck of an asterisk too. So there's a lot to weigh. Um, I would have shipped him out if I were them, and I, I don't. I don't, even if by some merit they're wild card, I don't see them going far. I think that's a heck of an asterisk too. Yeah. Part of the reason in talking with people around baseball and in reading about this decision, mm-hmm. Vanessa, is that they well, first of all, they were reportedly not thrilled with some of the offers they were getting for Shohei Otani, which does help your decision-making if there isn't a, a godfather, an offer you can't refuse on the table. But I still think you could have garnered enough of a collection of talent to replenish your farm system and really pivot towards the future. But I also think that they desperately want to shake this notion that they can't win and they have Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. But you got to get it done. You, you, like, you can't just say that and then retain him and not get it done. And one thing, too, Vanessa, that right. I noticed is just the demeanor of the team in these losses. Like the few times that I've watched the Angels, they don't seem to have that that energy or that spark. And you would think like by the front office retaining Otani and going out and, and fortifying this team, specifically pitching, which they need. And I know they're dealing with a lot of injuries. You would think that that's a, a vote of confidence in that clubhouse. We believe in you. We know that there's a lot of obstacles, but we believe in this group to go out there and get it done. And it doesn't seem like the energy level is, is there right now for this Angels team. 
If you find out that your team is keeping Shohei Otani, they bring in the rental Giolito, you have Mike Trout. If Rendon can, you know, Rendon's injury list, and I like Rendon a lot, but he's, but it's like a laundry list of it. If he can stay healthy, you find that out. Aren't you so excited? And aren't you saying, okay, well, then this is the year. Like we, we got to make a run this year. Oh, and six swept by the Mariners. Mm-hmm. I think it's a bad look for the franchise all around. And I agree with you. I'm a body language gal. I look for the fire. I look for the zest. I look for the competence and it's just not there. Um, we'll see what happens, but I would have I would have been playing the role of seller if I were the Angels. I know it would have been difficult. I know they would have felt like a failure. But now, Michelle, they're just going to feel like a failure a couple of months later when the Angels once again do not make the playoffs. And when their unicorn of a player ultimately leaves to go somewhere where he can. Babe Ruth. Win. Bye-bye. Bye. She's Vanessa Richardson. I'm Michelle Smallman. And coming up next, the U.S. women's national team. They lost to Sweden over the weekend. It ended their quest to three-peat for the Women's World Cup. We're going to discuss all of it. It's Canteen Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. Canteen Carlin, the podcast. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And indeed, it is complicated for the U.S. women's national team, whose reign as the dominant program in women's soccer globally is officially over. Their quest to three-peat in the Women's World Cup came to an end with their round of 16 matchup versus Sweden after a 5-4 fall in PKs. The U.S. was defeated, and it's over, Vanessa. And a lot of questions in the wake of this loss about the state of the U.S. women's national team. But it felt from the outset like this was not 
the force that they once were. There was a lot of um, chemistry questions. This team could create chances. They couldn't finish. There was certainly that age gap with the women who had won before and the new younger players coming in. But it just kind of felt, unfortunately, like this was inevitable as we watched this team continue on in this tournament. The entire time, goals felt really hard to come by. Um, You know, look, I like what we saw from Trinity Rodman. I think that's the future. I did see some things that excited me, but this was not what we're used to. This was not the dominance that we're used to. And I obviously cannot stand it when something like this happens. The, The criticism all turns political, and it was... Courtney Cronin today on First Take talking about that as well. It's like there are things soccer-wise that should be criticized as well. You know, was Megan Rapino the right person to, to kick the penalty kick? All of that. But it was definitely disappointing for the U.S. women. Um, earliest exit. I mean, that says something. So there's a lot of tentacles to this and things to get into. But how big of a of an issue as this how shocking is it that the women the u.s women's national team got bounced when they did here's our espn soccer reporter sebastian salazar when we talk about this team though it's impossible to to overstate just how much they underperformed the players didn't perform as we would have thought they did and i think really when we look at this group we can say that the manager didn't put the players in an ideal position to really perform at their best not through the group phase uh, and even in this game against Sweden, where they definitely played better, it still wasn't enough. And I think for the talent that was on this team, everybody will have some regrets coming away from this tournament. Vanessa, there's going to be a lot of questions in the wake of this. Um, questions about in-game management. Questions about the talent pipeline. Questions about the roster construction. About the style of play. But I do think that Sebastian Salazar hit the nail on the head. When you are coming in as the overall dominant program that has won two World Cups, the expectations are much higher than this. And um, it just felt like they did not have the same flair and intensity and hunger to win either that we had seen from the other women's teams in the past. And I, I know that they have put their blood, sweat, and tears into this, and they wanted to win. But didn't, when you watched it, just felt like something was lacking and something was different than the teams we had seen in the past? Less passion, for sure. Um, I think there was a less, seemed like less of a focus. And look, I know these are professionals. I know these are the best in the world. Um, But other than Rose Lavelle and a couple of others, I agree with what you're saying 100%. There did seem like there just wasn't that oomph that there has been before. I hate it for Julie Ertz. I love watching her play. Um, You know, her revealing... I believe it was to Jenny Taft, who did a fantastic job covering uh, covering it for Fox, that this would be her last go-round. It's really difficult to hear. Um, that that zero-to-zero draw with Portugal was when the public confidence really faded. Not only because it was a draw, but because, to your point, they didn't seem that upset after. And I really like um, Sebastian's honesty and candor in that you can't overstate how big of a deal this is. When you're talking about the World Cup, you got to have your coach on his best Andy Reid, Steve <laughs> Kerr, whatever yeah. ter, you know analogy, but you got to have the best of the best coaching mind in there to put the players in position to succeed. Um, I think we all saw that, but to have the top soccer reporter confirm that means a lot, I think. Another thing to consider is the global talent gap. 
when the U.S. women's national team is winning back-to-back World Cups, other countries are investing more into their operations in order to match the output of the U.S. women's team. Here's Sebastian Salazar on that on that uh, talent gap across the country, across the world, excuse me. The rest of the world has definitely gotten better. I think what's scary is how quickly the rest of the world has not just closed the gap, but clearly now overtaken the U.S., and how quickly they've done it with really minimal investment, right? As soon as the soccer powers, the traditional soccer powers, the Germany, Spain, England, France of the world started to put money into their women, their women are starting to overtake the American women. And I think that's the scary part. And Vanessa, I wonder if the women, of course, they have respect for their competition, but I wonder if when you've won back-to-back World Cups, if you come into this tournament a little too overconfident and you don't expect teams like Portugal, even though they have this infusion of resources and talent, to be able to match you. I think that Americans are uh, known for confidence, especially internationally. So, yeah, I mean, I would say that that's true. And look, Megan Rapino, Alex Morgan, their style of leadership, their style of the way that they conduct themselves on social media, in the public, all that. Maybe it doesn't go over well internationally. Who knows? Um, I'm always proud of the U.S. I'm always, always, always rooting for our country in these international games. I think everybody should be, too. But it is disappointing. And it's also okay for the Carly Lloyds of the world that have some of the best to ever put on the uniform to critique. Um, You know, some people were getting on her saying she was being too mean. I think she was well within her right uh, as a former great to critique the team for sure. And clearly some of the things that she was pointing out came to Mm -hmm. fruition. And bravo to her for not being afraid to say those things on a public platform because she cares more about this program than any of us observing. She has actually been out there on the pitch and gotten it done. So I certainly respect what she has to say. She's Vanessa Richardson. I'm Michelle Smallman. And coming up next on Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio, we're going to talk to one of the hosts of the show. Chris Carlin is going to stop by next. You don't want to miss it. Keep it here on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.